It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good Thursday morning to you and we have this warm and humid weather at the moment and it is set to stay with us according to Met Aaron over the coming days. They say it's a mixed bag of sunshine and showers. The reason for it, there is a low pressure system that is bringing up this warm tropical air that's bringing it up from continental Europe and we certainly welcome that but that then is responsible for this extremely humid and warm conditions that's going to prevail over the next uh, few days however the same conditions are bringing with it unfortunately thunderstorm activity and lightning and we can expect some thunder and lightning here in the south for this evening and while the warm conditions will remain until early next week there's no prolonged settled spell on the cards according to Met Aaron, and uh, we're leaning towards unsettled weather, which we certainly don't want to hear about. And uh, listening to uh, some reports on our news this morning and listening to Simon talking and John Paul and Sadie were saying the same thing. They were all woken last night to really, really heavy thunder, very loud thunder at about two, half two in the morning. And certainly West Cork getting in reports of a lot of flooding this morning in West Cork. So be very, very careful if you're out and about, if you need to make a journey because you could come around a bend and suddenly discover that you're into the middle of a flooded road. So drive, please, with extreme care. And if you have been out and you have come across areas that are very flooded at the moment, particularly roads that perhaps you can't pass in a car, would you let us know so that we can pass that information on to all of our listeners? John Paul and Sadie are already taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Text and WhatsApp is also available at 86 And let me start with a lovely piece that came in from Julie, one of our listeners who has asked us to pass this on just as one of these acts of kindness. You know, the way every, particularly I think during lockdown and since the pandemic, great kindness has come out from people and kindness from strangers sometimes I think can mean so much more to so many people. So Julie was on to tell us about her son. Her son, Richard, has uh, Down syndrome and it was his birthday the other day. And what did he want for his birthday? He wanted nothing else but a guitar. Even though Julie says he's got five guitars at home, but it was his birthday. What do you want for your birthday, Richard? I want another guitar. So off Julie went into Jeffers in Bandon to purchase a 
guitar. And when she went in there, she said to them, would you have a second hand one on sale? Bearing in mind it was for her son, Richard, who just likes to have guitars, not necessarily that he wants to play them. He just wants to have them. So she doesn't want to be spending a huge sum of money on the guitar. So she went in and they said, yeah, lo and behold, they had a fine grand second hand guitar that Julie said that will be perfect. So the man and I just don't have a name on who was serving Julia inside in Jeffers in Bandon but the gentleman who served her said look I'll tune it for you so that it'll be all ready when, when you get home and she said look there's app you've, uh, you don't need to waste your time honest to God it doesn't need to be tuned my son can't play the guitar he just likes to have them and then she explained that he suffered with Down syndrome and that oh, he didn't suffer with Down syndrome he has Down syndrome and that he just has a love of guitars so Julie said that's great I'll take the guitar and then she said what do I owe you for that and the man said you don't owe me anything and she said no no no, I want to pay you and he said no honest to God take it home and give it to your son Richard as a present from me Julia said she was absolutely speechless she couldn't believe his uh, kindness so she contacted us to say would you ever say out over the air- airwaves how grateful she is to that man as I say I just don't have a name on who it was inside in Jeffers in Bandon but well done that was a lovely as a, and it was a great act of kindness and it just meant so much to Julia and we know it also will mean so much to Richard because it adds to his guitar collection. He now has six. And can we say belated happy birthday to Richard and to your good self, Julie, and hope that you had a, a wonderful, wonderful day last uh, week. 1850 And there's a text in from Sheila, one of our listeners, to say, Hi Trish, is it just me or has anybody else, has anybody else's houses been invaded by spiders? Anybody noticed an increase in spiders? Sheila says, my house is full of spider webs. Even in rooms that have been cleaned, shut up for weeks and I had a cleaning blast during lockdown, says Sheila. Still a lot of people. So the house has never been cleaner. She says, I'm beginning to feel like Miss Haversham in Great Expectations. They say to have spiders in your house is a sign it's not damp. But frankly, if that's true, my house must be as dry as the Sahara Desert. I have so many of them, says Sheila. Okay, so let's, let's... Let's see, are others noticing houses invaded with spiders? And is it normally, am I right in thinking that normally around this time, do we normally see more spiders in the kind of summertime than we do in the winter, in the wintertime? I'm kind of thinking we do. But anyway, has anybody else noticed an invasion of spiders, more spiders than normal in your house and spiders webs? You're discovering spiders webs in places that you never would have had a spiders web before. If so, can you let us know, please, so that we can allay Sheila's fears that it isn't just her house that's been invaded by spiders. 1850-333-103. And for the day that is in it, can we please all spend a little bit of time today remembering little Nora Corinne and her family because would you believe and I found it hard to believe when I realised this today it is one year ago today since Nora's body was found in the Malaysian jungle two kilometres away from the resort where she was staying with her parents they'd only remember they'd only arrived the night before on uh, holidays and she had been missing for 10 days and I remember this this period of time last year so well 
every day we were hanging on news coming from the Malaysian jungle, waiting, hoping, praying that little Nora would be found. And then it was this day that the news broke that a body had been found. And I remember there was a period of time where we had to wait for confirmation that it was Nora's, even though everybody knew deep down that it was uh, Nora's body. And poignantly, today actually is the day that the Malaysian coroner will be visiting and inspecting the site where little Nora's body was found. And uh, a year on, the Corins have been asked, you know, how are they getting on and how are they coping? And uh, her mum, Maeve, is quoted in a lot of the papers as saying, we have had a lot of support from family, from friends, from, from professionals and even from strangers who continue to write to us and who continue to visit Nora's grave. And in the end, she said, uh, I'm absolutely devastated. She said, we miss her every minute of every day. It's my little girl. You can't get past that. And it feels like it happened only yesterday. And of course, with this coroners, this inquest that's going on at the moment that's so important for the Corins because they say that they still do not rule out foul play and they want they, they do not want foul play to be ruled out by the coroner. Now there is they know there's a lack of evidence that there was any foul play but they say that doesn't mean that there wasn't any and you know they particularly talk about things like when Nora's body was found 10 days later it wasn't sunburnt. There wasn't any mosquito bites on it. She had very few abrasions and there was just a few that were visible on, on her feet. And, you know, they make the point that it doesn't fit with the argument that she'd been out in the jungle by herself for about seven days because when she was found after being missing 10 days, they reckoned that she'd been dead for at least three days uh, due to the condition of the body. But there was no evidence that she'd been alive for seven days roaming around this massive Malaysian jungle on her own. You would have expected that there would be a lot more scratches on her body. She definitely would have been sunburnt because of the heat in the Malaysian uh, jungle. And, you know, there would have been a lot of uh, mosquito bites, but there was absolutely no evidence of that. And and I loved when, when Maeve's mother... Uh, you know, spoke about the fact that, you know, the fact that her daughter had special needs. She said, I've been fighting to get Nora what she wanted from the day she was born and I'm not going to stop that now. But she said the pain is huge. It's immeasurable, uh, really. So we think of little Nora today, but in particular, we think of her mother and her father and her brother and sisters. It was just such a tragic, tragic uh, case of what happened. And I'm sure they have spent a lot of time in the last year as as I suppose Madeleine McCann's family have done similarly for many, many years, thinking, why did we ever go away on holidays? Why did we ever go uh, to that particular uh, resort? Such a tragic, tragic story. So we think of them today. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Our text message and WhatsApp's available as well. 0862 103-103. Now some very disappointing news coming from Canturk with the announcement by Fullwood Paco that they tend to cease production of milk cooling tanks uh, in their plant in Canturk. Joining me, uh, local Dáil Deputy Michael Moynihan. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now how long has this company been in Canturk? Just tell me a little bit about it. Well, the company is based in Canturk since the 70s. Um, it had built up a huge reputation uh, for, I suppose, at the cutting edge for uh, 
milk cooling tanks, refrigerated tanks. And in a previous life when I milked cows myself, I did buy a, a, tank, a tank from them at the, when refrigeration came in and when bulk collection came in with uh, what was the Newmarket Co-op. Um, and they have had a fantastic reputation, I suppose. Uh, Paco was an Irish company that was set up uh, to deal with the developing dairy markets at the time and Fullwood, you know, they combined forces to um, produce a top quality product and have been there for, uh, you know, for generations, I suppose you could say at this stage since the 70s and some people that are working there have been working since uh, since the late 70s and uh, they've given a massive service and I suppose Paco Ireland and Paco in Kentuck, you'll be very proud when, you know, whether it is in any of the um, trade stands or indeed at the um, ploughing or anything else to see Paco uh, being there at the competitive edge of the product, uh, the world leading, I suppose, in in the market uh, in producing the top quality product that they have. And we say that that has been produced within Duhalla, within Kentuck. Uh, you know, you'd be very proud of the company that's there. And they have been working very hard. I suppose two years ago, there was um, uh, very uh, disturbing news that they were going to close the entire plant in Kentuck uh, and all of the plant were closed. Uh, that receded, I, I understand it, or from what I know, that the, there was discussions within the parent company. The com- parent company is in Belgium and, uh, you know, I think from what I now understand that there is an awful lot of um, the world market has shrank um, is the phrase that was used to me in terms of their product and that they're under uh, severe pressure they're centralising the manufacture of the plant or the manufacture of of the cooling uh, machinery and the cooling tanks uh, to Belgium. So the work that's currently been done in Cantor that they're ceasing the operation on that now goes to Belgium. And that is where the job losses are stemming from. And that's a sad day, I suppose, on the first instance to see that the work, the manufacturing of these tanks and these cooling equipments, which have been carried out in Kentuck, as I say, for generations, will cease. And that is um, very regrettable. And I think that that's a challenge to stay on on the whole manufacturing industry as well. But they they have, uh, they're manufacturing it and that they're going to keep Kentuck as a base, which I suppose... Yeah, they say in the in their statement, in Paco's statement, they say the site will remain open and be redeployed as a sales and distribution centre. Does that give hope to the staff? Well, uh, what I would be saying is that, like, as I understand this, that there will be, that there is uh, 11 redundancies from the... Um, from the factory floor, from those on the manufacturing side of it. But the... Mm, they are remaining open in Kentuck as a distribution centre. This is better news than it was two years ago because the entire operation was going. So it is remaining as a distribution centre. And uh, I would be asking the company if it is at all possible to retain the staff that's there. You know, long service people that have given their lives to, to Paco. Uh, very, very good people, excellent people, all of them. Uh, some of them that I would know personally um, that they have given their lives to Paco and have worked very hard there and have allowed Paco to develop a world uh, market product that is absolutely, um, you know, I suppose it is um, renowned and is accepted as a worldwide product that is is of the highest possible standard. And it was being made in Duhalla up to and uh, until this announcement. So it is 
hugely regrettable that the manufacturing side of it is moving from Cantor to Belgium. And that is, you know, it is a very sad day for us in Duhalla to see that the product isn't continuing to be made. But if the company is going to have a distribution centre within Ireland for both the uh, refrigeration and indeed for the full wood, for the uh, milking machine, uh, for the machinery part, for the for the dairy farmers. If they're continuing that, I would be asking them, now, is it possible to accommodate those that are uh, walking there to try and keep them on? Because some people know nothing else except walking with PACO and walking within the, the manufacturing side of the dairy industry and yeah. uh, would find it difficult. And, and, you know, to hear 11 redundancies, you know, t- some might... I might say that's a very small number, but to, for for a town like Antwerp, well, that's quite devastating. It is. Yeah. You see, you know, eleven redundancies, and you know we have seen, uh, particularly over the last couple of months, a lot of redundancies in a whole pile of sectors and a lot of challenges. But it is uh, the very fact that our uh, that it was one of the flagship projects when you would see Paco Fullwood uh, at any of the uh, the ploughing or anything else. You know, it was coming from the heart of Duhalla, and it is it, the manufacturing of this product was within our community, and we took great pride in it being manufactured locally, and that it was there for, uh, as I say, generations of this day since the 70s, and that's a trademark of uh, both Paco and indeed about those people that walked there over the years to maintain it. But it is a big loss to the likes of Kentucky. You have uh, 11 people that would be made redundant. There are their families. And there are challenging times ahead for them, you know, particularly with everything else that is going on. I think to lose your job while a pandemic is going on is probably the worst time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, everything is challenging. We thought we were moving into a different phase of the pandemic in early June. Now there are more concerns. Uh, you know, we've seen what has happened in the last week or 10 days and the concerns that are there and the government planning for the next 9 to 12 months in relation to trying to, to uh, ensure that industry can survive through the pandemic. And these are very challenging times and will be very difficult. And I, I understand that these decisions were taken and were very difficult be taken and they were difficult in terms of the global economic market and unfortunately everything that we do now is within the global economic market and uh, the, um, the collapse in the, in, in, in the market or the glut in the market but what I would be looking at is maybe that the company would look at enhancing their position within Kentuck and their footprint in Kentuck as a distribution and a service centre and uh, maintain it long term because it would be important for us within the Duhalla region and within Kentuck that Paco would remain on in, in the site that they have Absolutely. been on the, on the band here for some time. OK, we leave it there, Michael. Listen, thank you for that. Thank and you uh, thank, thank you, you. Uh, for joining us. That is Cork Northwest uh, Dole Deputy Michael uh, Moynihan. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. If people have been out driving this morning, we're aware West Cork roads particularly flooded in some parts. A listener has been on wants to know uh, if the road from Clonakilty to Skibbereen is that possible. Has anybody been on the road from Clonakilty to Skibbereen? Is it possible? Because we know the N71 is flooded at Roscarbury and about halfway between there and Lep at uh, Connor. Diversions are in place with HGVs advised to divert via Drina and Ballygurteen. And also, and I've seen some evidence and photographs of this on Twitter, the Roscarbury Glandore Road is still impassable in places due to flooding and you're asked to use use an alternative uh, route. I saw somebody tweet that roads have been washed away 
between Rossgarbury and Glendore with the amount of flooding. So please use an alternative route there if you need to get from Rossgarbury to, to uh, Glendore. But uh, but the question coming in from a listener is who needs to get from Clonakilty to Skibbereen wondering is it safe to travel this morning. And Dursey Cable Car have been on. They are remain closed today, 13th of August, and they can only facilitate travel for local residents only. That's on the Dursey Cable Car. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 Okay, I want to stay with the flooding in West Cork and the reports that we are getting in. Senator Tim Lombard joins me. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, good morning. Uh, Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm watching on Twitter and seeing some incredible photographs of really badly flooded roads and, you know, some people reporting that roads have almost been washed away in uh, some areas. Uh, what, have you, what have you seen this morning? Well, I'm actually on the way down to West Cork to, to Pellysheen, Tudor and Goldine at the moment and we've been through um, down by Ross Carberry and it's just amazing the amount of water, the amount of flooding, the amount of rain that's actually hitting the road. Um, it's just been an amazing affair. Um, like the thunder and lightning that we saw last night, I don't think I've seen in my entire life. Um, so it just really was an amazing affair. Um, I just think that there's going to be serious damage done and we need serious money to repair, not alone private property, but also public property, which is going to be damaged by the amount of water that's after falling. And do, do we know why the flooding is, was so excessive? Was it literally just down to the amount of rain that fell? The rain that fell at 4 o'clock this morning... Um, like I'm 43 years of age, I've never felt the light of it. It was beyond belief. It was just, literally a tap was turned on. Um, obviously, like, it was a very muddy, kind of humid day, and the thunder and lightning came, and we really did have those storms. So it was just amazing. So, one of these, you know, once in a hundred year kind of things, you know, yeah, that we just yeah. can't explain. Yeah, I've, but, I've, we're already hearing from people saying that they never, ever in all of their lives heard, heard or witnessed uh, rain I, I, like I, it. I, I, I opened the curtains at half past four last night and the, the thunderstorm, the lightning storm that I saw, never, ever in my entire life. And my two twins, which are four, they, they woke up and I'd say they won't sleep for a week after, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very frightening to wake up to that, that kind of a sound. And and I know there's more forecasts for this afternoon, not to be adding yeah. to people's woes, but there is more forecast for this afternoon because we have this very warm, muggy weather at the moment and that's what's that's what's bringing this thunder activity. And the N71 is closed, Connor, between Lepp and Roscarbury. Yeah, and look, there's the roadworks and there's kind of uh, diversions all over West Cork at the moment and, you know, we're heading to Goleen, so you can imagine, like, it really is, like, beyond belief and it's local flooding too, not just on the international roads itself. So, um, it's just beyond belief. And the Cork County um, Council, they do have an emergency number. Let me give it out to people. 02148 That's 02148 And you please ask to call and report damage to roads and, and I suppose property as well, Tim. Yeah, and it's the private property. Like, you know, you saw the car and that video there. It's absolutely white. No point saying it's not. It's fairly badly damaged anyway. Um, like when you have water of that level flowing up high, um, you're going to have major damage to whether vehicles, public property and private property. Um, it's one of these, these things that in 40 hours we're going to have to assess, see how much damage is done, see how much actual, what you need to do. Do we need to go and talk to local government and national government about what funding streams are available? Because, um, like in the last 12 hours, there's been millions of euros worth of damage done to West Cork. Okay, and, you know, we want to keep everybody safe, so we're asking people to avoid areas where 
roads are very badly flooded and don't, you know, the way people stupidly take risks and think, Asher, I'll make it through that. Just for uh, yeah, people like, to, to be very careful. Very careful because, like, you don't want to step to the water in some places um, and, like, you know, it really is treacherous out there at the moment. Look, I'm sure that in the next two hours an awful lot of water will run off. But from now, from now to 12 o'clock, like, it really is unbelievable the roads up there, you know. Okay, and our emergency services are, are working flat out to, to sort it out. Okay, you're you're heading down to Paddy's funeral, uh, Tim. I am indeed, yeah. So poor Paddy was a great friend of ours, um, great friend of the family. And look, seven days after poor Francis passing, Paddy passed. It's uh, an amazing love story so many ways, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, we'll let you get back to that journey, uh, uh, Tim, but we, we thank you for taking time out uh, to take time to talk to us. Stay safe. Okay, uh, thanks thank for that. You. That is uh, Senator Tim Lambert. And just to remind uh, people of the Paddy's Funeral Cortage, uh, building, bidding a final farewell to his many loyal friends, because obviously with the current government uh, guidelines on public gatherings, the funeral uh, is taking place privately uh, today but at half past 11 this morning Paddy will make his final journey starting at uh, Tourmore and then he will pass through Doris at 12 noon expected to be in Ballydehab at 12.45 and that's via Bantry Cross Barnaguiha and yesterday we had much debate about was it Bantry Cross or Doris Cross it was explained to me when I came off air that some people call it Bantry Cross and other people call it Doris Cross so it's one and the same and the Cortez is expected to be in Skull at 5 to 1 today and then arriving in Goline for half past 1 for uh, the private requiem mass at uh, 2 that's the late uh, Paddy Sheen may he rest in peace Court today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 and on the flooding in West Cork Tim says all this extreme weather is down to global warming while we and our government dither about taking action to combat climate change it's worse than any pandemic yet we seem to continuously ignore climate change says uh, Tim and on the closure of the Paco plant in Canturk Patricia on that bad news coming out of uh, Canturk it's no surprise nearly all the middle size farmers are gone out of business so they don't need milk tanks there's only a few big dairy farmers left over the years. This appears to have been government policy. So this listener said, not surprised to hear of the Paco plant closing in Canturk. Okay, that's some of your comments into by text to 0862 103 103. Now, moving on, the Office of Public Works has agreed to provide assistance to an enclosed order of nuns after 10 wheelbarrows full of apples from their orchard were stolen last Friday night to discuss what is absolutely a bizarre crime. It happened at St Benedict's Priory in Cove. I'm joined by local Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy James O'Connor. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. Thank now, you for having me. I'm, you're very welcome. As I say, this is such a bizarre story to be covering. Can you outline what do you believe happened? I mean, did anybody see anything? Well, from our understanding, Patricia, last Friday night, the nuns at St. Benedict's Priory in Cove uh, d- d- awoke and the, th- the following morning to discover that the apples in their orchards uh, that they were going to be harvesting uh, had all been taken. Uh, unfortunately, they utilised the apples in the orchards uh, to make uh, homemade produce, I think chutneys and confectionery items, and these are sold in at the, at the nuns' oasis tea room uh, in the garden of St. Benedict's Priory in Cove. Of course, St. Benedict's Priory is a very, very well-utilised asset in that community. There's a beautiful uh, garden uh, within the grounds of the convent. Uh, and there's a great historical um, uh, story as well behind St. Benedict's Priory, as it was the former headquarters of the British.
British Admiralty uh, in, in, in Cove or formerly Queenstown at that time. Um, so it was very well utilised and unfortunately um, the, the apples that they were using uh, to, to sustain themselves by set, setting, selling items that they would make from the apples uh, were, were all taken. Uh, uh, okay, were they... When, when I said in the introduction there was 10 wheelbarrows full, so they had they had taken the apples from the tree, the nuns, I'm assuming, had already the apples in the wheelbarrows, was it? Well, there was no actual wheelbarrow involved, but the, 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 just in terms of putting it into a perspective of volume. Oh, that's the one. Okay. So, 10 wheelbarrows worth. so are we talking about that somebody or, or, or some group of people went in and actually physically took the apples off the trees? Yes, we can only assume that that actually had happened because they, they were monitoring the gardens. There's an extensive number of gardeners that are that, that are actually located uh, on, on the grounds that, that work in a voluntary capacity. Uh, and it, unfortunately, this, this actually took place. It's incredibly bizarre. It actually came as a, a massive surprise to myself, Patricia. I was in Minster House uh, and I received a phone call. Um, we were actually working to prepare for a ministerial meeting. Um, and uh, you know we 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 got the call to say that this had happened. We went down to Cove then on, 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 on yeah, two days ago to actually to see what had happened. We put a phone call into the Office of Public Works to see if they would actually be in a position to help. And I think it was a bit of good news and a bit of cheer for for the community in the area um, that the, that they were actually in a position to help. They they were able to give apples from the orchard at Barry's Court Castle in Carrick Tuhill. Uh, just up the road, uh, which is owned by the OPW and is currently closed uh, for renovation. So the apples have been, re- enough apples have been replaced? Uh, that's correct. I think the first delivery of those apples were actually uh, broadcast last night on the 9 o'clock news uh, on RTE. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think there's supposed to be a number of other deliveries in the coming days. God, has anything like this ever happened to the nuns before? My understanding is it hasn't, but we do know there was other gar- gardens in the area that ex- experienced actually similar incidents uh, in the last number of days. And uh, you know, what the fruit I, was stolen from other gardens? Yes, yes. And uh, to be fair to the nuns, they didn't put down any any complaint to the guardy. They just wanted to let it lie. And I think Mother Catherine said last night that she forgives the perpetrators. But they must have been they must have been shook by what happened and for it and you know for it to happen to them. I mean I know the apples have been replaced, which is the the important thing, but it's it it, it, it still would shake a group of nuns, you know, to think that somebody would have gone into their orchard and deliberately taken all their apples. It was, you know, I was down with them and unfortunately it was a very unfortunate thing to happen for anybody to have any of their, their, their personal belongings taken from them. It's not a nice experience. And I have to be, I have, it has to be said here as well, they're very, very cognizant. This is a very, very small thing to happen in the grand scheme of what's going on in the world. Uh, but this meant a lot to them. It was their financial income um, and it was a very unfortunate incident to take place. I was really, really happy that we were able to provide assistance and help to them. Uh, you know, and I have to say a word of thanks as well to, to Minister Patrick O'Donovan. He's over the border in, in County Limerick. Uh, for his assistance, his department is the, is the Office of Public Works and they were very, very generous uh, to, to actually to, to down their tools yesterday at Barry's Court to collect the apples and to drop them down well to done. the nuns yesterday. Well done. And while, as you say, the, the nuns themselves didn't contact the, the Gardaí, has it been reported? Uh, you know, it, it has not been. There's been no official complaint made to Angarda Siakana. I actually dropped down to, to meet the community guards and they're doing fantastic work with the nuns. They've called up to see them just to check in and see if they're okay. Uh, and also just to let them know that, uh, that there is a presence there in the community. Um, you know, it, it's just an unfortunate incident. And to be fair, it's on Gardaí, they did, they did call up. Uh, they're very active on the ground in Cove. It's, it's, it is a beautiful town. 
um, and uh, you know that, that they have been very active as well in being involved in this. But I think there's an attitude that uh, everybody just would, would like to, to move on from it, and uh, you know we think it was, a, it, was a, it was a win for everybody just to, to get to get the apples from the OFW. It was a very very generous act from them. And, yeah, uh, but it's a it's a particularly mean mean spirited crime. Bearing in mind that this was, you know, the nuns, what would go on to be the nuns' income. Uh, does anybody have any idea of the thinking and the reasoning behind why that amount of cooking apples will be stolen? In all honesty, we have absolutely no idea. Um, you know, that, that will go on to be a major mystery for some time. And, uh, you know, it just really came as a big surprise to ourselves to be able to actually provide assistance. It's certainly the most unusual call. Uh, the office has received. I became a, a TD and even a councillor before that, and uh, you know I, I I enjoyed working on it, and uh, I was very happy that there was a positive outcome, and uh, it's a nice thing to happen. And just, and, and just by the way, I, I know they're an enclosed order of nuns. Is the orchard enclosed? Or is is there easy access to the to the orchard? Very easy access. Ah, okay. Very close to the cathedral and cove, and that, that and it's it, it's a very busy community garden. There's people of all faiths and people involved with the convent. That utilises and there's a lot of memorial benches for people as well uh, within the grounds of, of of the gardens of the convent. And I really recommend people. You know, we're all promoting staycations at the moment, but if they're down in Cove, be sure and drop down to, to to the cafe, the Oasis Cafe that's on the grounds uh, of of the of the of St Benedict's Priory in Cove. It's really beautiful and a tranquil place. And, and is that run well, by is that run by the nuns themselves? That is run by the nuns themselves, yes, and uh, they, they utilise that by setting their, their chutneys and other produce uh, to sustain themselves for the winter months. And OK, and make, when you're in there, buy a, buy a jar of their chutney. And there's nothing like good homemade apple uh, chutney, especially ones made by the nuns. I'm, I'm sure it's delicious, so, so, so buy some of that. All right, so it is a happy news story. Uh, at the end of it all, thankfully, they have had the apples uh, replaced. And, and I suppose for people to keep a lookout for... I mean, somebody must have seen something because it couldn't have been done very quickly. It had to be done over a long period of time, time to have stripped an orchard of apples. Certainly so. And I, I would encourage anybody just to step forward if they had seen anything. Uh, you know, the nuns are anxious. They don't want this to be, uh, to, 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 this to be taken any further. They don't, want, they don't want any further action. But at the same time, it wasn't a nice thing to happen. And, uh, and they're offering forgiveness already. They've offered forgiveness already, and they did, they did so last night on, on RT News. And uh, you know, I just I, I just reiterate that it's not a nice thing to happen to anybody. No, no. there's a lot of orchards around East Cork. Very warm climate here. Uh, in general, so you know, people should keep an eye out, right, just to make okay. sure that nothing's uh, happening. Whatever about nicking a few apples to make an apple tart, but to strip a complete orchard, it's it's just uh, crazy. Listen, James, while I have you on, any update on Middleton uh, Post Office? That was quite a devastating news story uh, yesterday for the people of Middleton and the owners of the post office. It was. It came as a major shock. Um, yesterday morning, I put a phone call in immediately to the Minister for Transport Office and uh, Climate and Communications because it falls under his brief in communications uh, to inform them that this had happened. Uh, they have said that they would be providing every support possible to Unpost uh, when we were in contact with them. I also spoke with Unpost yesterday. The first step that's going to be carried out, Patricia, is a damage assessment will be done on the building with the fire service. Uh, and I just want to pay tribute to Cork County Council's fire service in Middleton uh, for responding to the fire. It was an extremely bad fire. The, the roof has been destroyed on, on the premises just to give some scope of the extent of the damage. And currently what is happening is that everybody uh, in Middleton is able to access the Unpost services as of 12 o'clock yesterday. Uh, in Carrie in Tool, which is just up the road to Middleton, and down in Castle Martyr as well. And I'm working with Unpost to see what can be done in the interim period to establish an, a temporary base in Middleton Town. And we're going to give them every support possible that we can. I'm working with the local councillors on the ground 
Because it looks like with the amount of damage done, I know it was mainly water damage from what I can gather from uh, own English writing in the examiner today, it was mainly water damage done to the post office itself because the fire was in was in the uh, apartment above. Uh, but it looks like it would be some time before full service could be restored there, doesn't it? I would certainly say so. It was a very, very damaging fire. Um, the pictures were, were, were actually up on, on Twitter. If anyone gets a chance tonight, Cork County Council's uh, fire service actually have their own Twitter account and they had, they had a tweet with the photographs that were taken. Uh, and there, there, there were, it was a very, very bad fire. Uh, a lot of damage has been done. Uh, we're very aware of that. And I think uh, we just had to put our shoulders to the wheel to find something temporary. Uh, it was a very well-utilised post office as well for people who aren't familiar with Middleton. It's right on the main street near the near the library building uh, and near the bus stop as well. So a lot of people, particularly uh, people in the elderly community as well, uh, were in and out of there on a very regular basis. I'm quite familiar with the spot myself. Uh, and uh, we're very anxious to try and sort something out uh, sooner rather than later there. Um, and just as while I have as well, Patricia, I was on your show not too long ago and just, just one line on it uh, about the school capacity issues. We were speaking about carry tool and yeah. not being able to get school places. And just to let people know as well, the planning permission for uh, carry tool and also above in Mallow, the Patrician Academy uh, has been moving forward in recent times. I met with the Minister for Education yesterday morning uh, to discuss the Patrician Academy and the carry tool school complex. We're very hopeful that we can try and secure the funding necessary and get the tendering done uh, for both of those to ensure that the pro- projects would actually uh, progress. I know it's a major issue for parents out throughout the constituency in Cork East and I just wanted to, to, to say that because I had been on with you previously. You had indeed and they're both two very long overdue uh, projects uh, for sure and just back on the fire in Middleton can we just say you know particularly well done to, to the firefighters because by all accounts they saved uh, a whole row of town centre businesses that could have gone up only they reacted so quickly and also we're very thankful that everybody got out of that fire nobody was injured uh, thank God OK listen James we leave it there thank you for that Thank you very much Patricia and uh, thanks for joining us uh, on the programme that is uh, Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy uh, for Cork East James O'Connor the listener listening to my piece uh, with James O'Connor about the nuns and their orchard and losing all their apples the enclosed uh, nuns uh, down in uh, St. Benedict's in uh, Cove somebody says when we had a break in not one guard that even phoned us to ask us how we were doing such a lot of fuss over apples and in in fairness and in defence of the nuns they didn't even reported to the Gardaí it's just the word got out locally that their apples had been stolen I think the community guard had just called up to allay the nuns fears that they are out and about but you know the nuns didn't even put in a complaint and they uh, they were the first to say that it's a big fuss with everything else that's going on in the world but for them to lose what could be their livelihood or keeps them going over the winter. I can see why people have reacted uh, so much. And on spiders, remember Sheila's noticing a lot of spiders and wants to know if anybody else noticed it. Another listener said, yes, absolutely, Sheila's right. There are so many more spiders than ever before. You'll see cobwebs inside and outside. And to add to that, there's a load of wasps around at the moment as well. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Happy birthday to Eileen O'Sullivan in Canturk celebrating her birthday today. Your twin brother, Billy, was on wanting to wish you a very happy birthday. So happy birthday to Billy as well. That's Eileen O'Sullivan in Canturk. On the nuns and the theft of the apples, Phil says, whoever took those apples from those nuns are what I would call lowlifes and how right you are, uh, Phil. And Michael in Castletown bears this. Patricia, hi. If you or anyone thinks 
that you are going to see nuns going into a courthouse, swearing on a Bible, giving evidence against somebody stealing their uh, apples. You have another thought coming. I feel sorry that it was done to them, their little bit of income gone. Yeah, and to think the nuns didn't even report it themselves to the Gardaí and the nuns themselves saying very where it's a very minor issue in the grand scheme of things but it's the fact that Michael is right it's the income they need these apples to make the little lovely jars of apple chutney that they then sell in their little tea rooms and that's the money then that keeps them going during the winter months because obviously it's in the summer months that they get the biggest amount of people coming in uh, to those little tea rooms. It's a great advert actually. I thought James did very well advertising. I hadn't heard of that Oasis Tea Rooms that's in St. Benedict's Priory uh, that's run by the nuns. I hadn't heard of it uh, before. It's described as a, a a Bible garden and tea ro- rooms and it's located at the high end of Cove behind St. Go- Coleman's uh, Cathedral and it's, uh, it's be a, a great place to just want to go spend a moment of reflection or remembrance and then when you finish that you can pop into the tea rooms and have a, a lovely cup of coffee and they do wonderful home baking so they're getting a bit of advertisement out of it as well but I think it's just the mean-spirited nature that their orchard got stripped and I'm still trying to work out who would do such a thing and why would they do it? Like Pat is saying Patricia the only people who would want that much apples are people who would be baking apple tarts but surely you'd have to be baking apple tar- tarts on a commercial level Pat says I'd be on the lookout for a nice juicy apple tart to try to see could you get to the bottom of it and then John from Butterfield says Patricia listening to the story about the nuns and having all their apples stolen this morning reminded me of something that happened it's about 50 years ago now and when John looks back on it he says it seems quite funny now but it certainly wasn't funny at the time he said when we were youngsters we chased a boy who came from a different street you know the rivalry between the different gangs and the different streets so this boy wandered out onto the wrong street so John and his gang gave him chase and he ran into the convent but John says we knew he had nowhere to go as that's where the nun's orchard was and it was enclosed so we decided we'd wait as we knew he had to come back out the same gate he went in he appeared about 10 minutes later with his nose bleeding. The nuns caught him thought he was stealing apples and they gave him a good hiding. We ended up feeling so sorry for him that we took him home to his mother. It's funny thinking about it now but it certainly wasn't funny at the time. They could be quite vicious back then says John from Butterfield. God could you imagine that happening uh, today? And of course he went home to his mother and the mother obviously did up his bloodied nose and, and fixed him up and whatever but there was no way that the parents at the time would have confronted the nuns to say what the hell have you done to my son to give him such a hiding even if he was in nicking a few apples but to to give him such a hiding that he ended up with a bloodied nose you know well, 1850-333-103 on the flooding in West Cork a couple of calls in Patricia it didn't I was wondering was it just down to the amount of rain that fell last night I was asking Tim Lombard uh, that was that the reason for the flooding and the devastation that we're seeing in some parts of West Cork this morning listener says Patricia it didn't take much for a river to burst its bank and overflow as the river beds are mostly all silted up and that's restricting the amount of water that the river beds uh, holes before flooding the road so it didn't take uh, much but somebody else says after driving from Lep 
to Ross Garby this morning via those flooded back roads. I saw drains that water couldn't get into. Why? Because of overgrown verges. So it's no surprise that we have roads and roadside houses flooded today. It's easy to blame global warming for neglect of basic maintenance. And actually a number of people are pointing out that as well, that the drains just, I know there was a lot of water and they probably couldn't have taken all of it But if they had been cleared out and the verges were cut back, they perhaps could have taken some of the water. But in some cases, the drains were blocked and simply couldn't take it. And then obviously then it ends up on the road are worse for people like the previous caller said, people who've got roadside houses getting flooded and some cars uh, destroyed as well uh, today. Thank you for some questions coming in for Jane Arvet. I'll put them to Jane later on on the programme. Uh, Keep those coming, 1850 You can also text 0862-103-103. Morning, Patricia, says another uh, texter. Thanks for all your help. Thank you on various days. Glad to to be able to help. Uh, Today, though, I'm wondering... When a post office is located within a shop, does one still have to wear a face covering when one is going to the post office part? Uh, Thanking you. Okay, that's because we know when we were dealing with the mandatory nature of wearing the face masks since Friday in all retail outlets and enclosed areas, we were told there was an exemption for post offices, for banks and for credit unions, even though instantly we calls in from people saying they were in a bank and there was a sign up saying please wear a mask so it seems to be an individual one for each of the branches but under the regulations post offices, credit unions and banks were not covered and that's obviously to do with the security aspect of those establishments. So the sister talking about and that happens in many with sub post offices they would be inside in a supermarket my gut instinct would say yes you do have to wear your mask because you're actually going in to the shop and to under the regulations once you enter a shop you have to have a mask on now when obviously when you go over to do your business at the post office side of it if you want to remove your mask you probably would be okay but I certainly would say walking into the shop and walking out of the shop to get to the post office I would be thinking, yes, you need to wear your uh, mask. But I think we're all just sort of getting more used to wearing the masks as each day uh, goes by. And I think that's the way it's going to be. And I think it's the way it's going to be for quite some time. Mary was on about scam calls. She says, I keep getting calls saying that they are returning calls from me, even though I never rang them. One caller said that I definitely rang her daughter's number. I definitely didn't. And then they asked me my name. They had Cork accents. I rang Vodafone who told me to block their numbers. That to me sounds like what I was talking about yesterday, Mary. I don't know if you heard me or not. It's a thing called spoofing because it happened to me last week where I got a call from a guy in Kerry saying I rang him and I said I didn't ring you. I was on air. I definitely didn't ring you and the phone was beside me. And then when I looked into it because he had my exact telephone number and he said, yeah, you definitely did ring me. And I said, okay, don't know how that happened but it wasn't for me. And then he started to tell me that he was getting a lot of scam calls so he's very careful about answering any phone number. And then I looked into it and it's something called spoofing where it looks like it's coming from. Mary, in your case, your phone number. The guy last week in Kerry, it looked like it was coming from my phone number and my number came up. But obviously if they'd answered the call, it wouldn't be me or it wouldn't be you at the end of the line, Mary. It would be the scammers. But it's something called spoofing. And if it gets very bad, Mary, and you continue to get a lot of calls, when I looked into it, it seems the only way to stop it is to change your number, which isn't very convenient for many people. I've only had the one from that one gentleman. It's not to say that I'm not going to end up getting more calls uh, like it. But if you 
if you keep getting those calls and seemingly your telephone company can do nothing for you when, when you're the spoofing has happened when your number has been taken by these spoofers and they're using your number. Uh, so bear that in mind because if it gets worse, that's what I'd be suggesting to you. You may need to change your number completely. Now, Caroline was on and this is reacting to yesterday when we had a listener saying, does anybody know what are the guidelines and the rules and the regulations and the labour laws around people going back to work who are nervous about going back to work because they're medically vulnerable and they really don't want to be in a situation where they might be at risk of catching COVID-19 and they've been at home since lockdown. Some of them have been cocooning, but now their employer looking for them to go back to work. And in some of the cases, it's to do with schools because the lady who contacted us yesterday, she's particularly worried about her daughter. Her daughter is an SNA. She suffers, I don't know what condition she suffers from, but she's in the at-risk group for COVID-19 and she's been really looking after herself and really cocooning and minding herself. And now she knows with schools, she's due to go back to school, back to work at the end of August and she's worried about it and she's wondering, you know, what happens and and what do you do in a case like that? Well, Caroline was on to say that teachers who are in the at-risk group are allowed to stay at home and not work. This is according to Caroline. Now, I need to get confirmation on that from the Department of Education. I I know John Paul has put in a request to the Department of Education, but according to Caroline, if you're a teacher, you're allowed to stay at home. But SNAs who are also deemed at high risk and as they can socially distance because of the nature of what an SNA does, they sit beside sit with the child or the children that they're helping. They can be assessed by the occupational health system. You then need to get a letter to state that you are medically at risk from COVID-19. My school, says Caroline, sent out a 16-page document explaining it. So tell that woman to tell her daughter to try FORSA, the union, and they should be able to help her. Teachers and SNAs, by the way, do not get an exemption if they're living with a vulnerable person because we also heard from somebody who has been called, and I don't know if it's a teaching, but has been called back to work and she is at home with her parents and both of her parents have not moved outside the door since the lockdown started because they're both medically very vulnerable and she's now afraid about having to go back to work for fear she's going to be working with the public for fear that she will bring COVID-19 at home. But according to the department, according to Caroline, on that six-page document, you don't get an exemption if you're living with a vulnerable person. Now, we did put the query in to the Department of the Taoiseach and they've come back saying the work safety protocol This is a protocol. This is what it states. At risk slash vulnerable workers. If you are at risk or a vulnerable worker and you cannot work from home and must be in the workplace, employers must make sure that you are preferentially supported to maintain a physical distance of two metres. However, employers should enable vulnerable workers to work from home where possible. And that's all well and good. But if you're in a if you're in a job where you can't work from home, for example, if you work in retail, it's impossible to work in a shop, and you can't. It's, you just can't do that work from home. And I'm assuming the same now with the schools, with teachers and SNAs, and the school secretaries and the school caretakers and everybody else that works in the school. If the school is open your job is in the school. It would be impossible for you to do that work from home. They tell us that the Health and Safety Authority, they're the lead agency in monitoring compliance with that protocol. In this regard, any employee who has concerns about compliance can contact the Health and Safety Authority Workplace Contact Unit on a confidential basis. It's an 1890 number 
289389 or you can send an email to the WCU that's the Workplace Contact Unit at the hsa.ie and any employment rights or IR issues that might arise in the workplace due to COVID-19 measures can be raised also by the Workplace Relations Commission through their normal channels which are available by email or by calling the Workplace Relations uh, Commission. So it's it's there. I mean, there's guidelines, there's protocol in place. But if you're called into your place of work and it still doesn't, what if you say, no, I'm not feeling comfortable here, what happens then? Will you still get paid? Will you be put out on a COVID-19 uh, payment? Or will you lose your job? As we heard yesterday, remember our, our listener who rang us with her son who works in uh, retail and at the start of it, because he was so nervous, he didn't go into work and he ended up losing uh, his job. So uh, there's still a lot, I think, to be worked out with. And there are people who are very, very nervous and afraid about going back into the workplace. 1850-333-103. And we know that the COVID-19 committee, uh, the Dáil Committee are meeting today and actually they are very much focusing on the meat plants today. And I read with interest that Meat Industry Ireland, who obviously are the group that represent the primary processing companies, all the meat plants where all these clusters and these outbreaks are happening, they are insisting that the reason that there has been outbreaks in meat plants is because they were deemed essential services and they were told to remain open during the lockdown. They say people who become infected on the outside then come into work as usual, causing the COVID-19 outbreaks to be associated in the public mind with the processing plants. And I find that a really bizarre reason why the meat industry would say that's the reason why we are having clusters in meat meat plants is because we remained open and were deemed essential services. Because if you go by that logic, why are we not seeing the same amount of clusters going on in all other processing plants and in all other factories and in all other areas that remain in supermarkets that were deemed essential services, radio stations we were deemed essential services and there isn't clusters going on in other places so I I just think it's, I really, I just maybe it's just me but I just find it a really unusual reason to say that the reason we have so many outbreaks in meat plants is because the government decided that we were essential service and decided to leave, to leave us open lo- during lockdown. I, I will watch with great interest the Dáil Committee meeting on coronavirus today to see how TDs react to that statement when it is uh, made. And SIP2, the country's largest union, are also uh, attending. They are questioning, I don't know if they're attending, but sorry, they're questioning well, they are attending, my apologies. But they're questioning why health and safety inspectors did not begin the inspections at the meat plants until late May. And remember when we looked into this last week, we found out the first case as a meat plant was back in March. And we know from other countries that there's been huge numbers of clusters at meat plants. It isn't, this isn't just an Irish problem. This is all over the world. Anywhere where there is COVID-19, it is meat plants because of the nature of the work they're doing and they're all on top of each other. And it's, it's very noisy and it's shouting. And it's one of the areas as well where migrant workers work. And migrant workers then are all living together. They're travelling together. Very little social distancing going on, either in work or outside of work and that's adding to the problems. So we knew there was going to be a problem at our meat plants. 
We got our first case in March and yet Siptor saying that the inspections at the meat plants didn't begin until late May. Siptor also going to tell the Dáil Committee today that it's aware that over 40 migrant meat plant workers are sharing rooms and accommodation in one town in Offaly. So that's still going on. This is called hot bedding is what it's called and the union are calling for this type of hot bedding of workers to stop. Siptor will tell politicians that there are very few or if any unannounced inspections by the health and safety uh, inspectors and that one blew me away because um, and it seems according to some of the papers today that meat plants sometimes are getting advance notice that the inspectors from the HSA are calling and remember it's the inspectors have found a high level of compliance with measures to combat COVID-19 at the meat plants during the pandemic when they went out to do their inspections. But if they know that the inspectors, that they've been giving 24-hour notice that the inspectors are calling tomorrow, of course there's going to be a high level of compliance when you know the inspectors are calling. Surely they have to start arriving unannounced. I think it's going to be an interesting day at the COVID-19 meeting, uh, particularly on the whole thing of the meat processing plants. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Full and part-time dental nurses and receptionists they are required for Bandon A bus escort is required That's to travel with children with intellectual disabilities from Bandon to schools in Montanati in Cork Abbeyland's nursing home in Kildare They've got vacancies for healthcare assistants while a professional cleaner is wanted for the Grena area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, my next guest has contacted the programme because she's trying to highlight the help her son needs in finding secure accommodation. And pardon the pun, but she really finds herself coming up against a brick wall, especially with her dealing with the HSE. Now, Charlene joins me to uh, share her story. Good morning to Charlene. Good morning, Patricia. You Thank are, you for having well, me. Well, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, your son is 25, I suppose. Can you start by outlining his health issues? Uh, he's, he's, he's battling with mental health. He is, yes. Um, he, um, he had quite a few assessments um, growing up, but they never actually diagnosed him properly. And, um, and then last year, at the beginning of last year, for the first time, uh, he was assessed with Asperger's and... Um, PDA, which is pathological demand avoidance, and it makes it really, uh, it makes it harder to um, to help him. You know, he would need more help than you know, there's so many different forms of Asperger's. But um, I'm not just he's in emergency accommodation at the moment, and I'm not just trying to get him proper accommodation. What he really, really needs is, um, su- you know, supported. Um, care, supported home living. Um, so that he can live. Supported accommodation so that um, so that he can find his way and um, you know, so that he can I'm oh, sorry, I'm a bit nervous. No, here. no, you, you, you're okay. You're okay. He, he, he wants to live independently or as independently, independently as possible. 
but he needs help to do that. He really needs help and he needs regular help. And, um, you know, he needs someone to come in on a regular basis and give him the help he needs. And he's, he, I've, I've contacted so many people at this stage. Um, the, the main one that, um, deals with Asperger's and people on the autism spectrum would be, um, Aspect. And they actually have a huge waiting list. Um, there's a massive lack of support in the mental health. And um, and then eventually I found out that there are other places um, like Nua and... Um, and um, Nua provide housing, don't they? Um, I'm not sure if they... I think they do a bit of housing, but um, they provide one-to-one care with people. And uh, rehab care is a is another place which I found out about. And you know that the help is there. Um, they do have places, but they need um, the HSE to um, give. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Them the funding, and I've been in constant um, contact with the HSE about this. Um, I've sent so many emails to them. Um, the, I've had TDs contacting them on my son's behalf. I've had family members write to them, professionals write to them. Um, I've sent in a complaint letter recently, and for the first time they actually phoned me, but they refused to speak to me. They wanted to speak to my son, and um, I explained to them that, you know, he's he's unable to fend for himself. Um, he's able He's unable to fight his own corner, and they need to speak to me. And um, the person I spoke to kept on saying he's an adult. And I cannot represent him. So, but he's um, a vul- but are they missing the point that he's a vulnerable adult? Exactly, exactly. And um, and then I, I I had to give her his number, and she phoned him, and um, and then 
I called him later on and he was under the impression, because he doesn't understand, he was under the impression that they were making a complaint against him, um, you know, which didn't doesn't help. He's in a constant um, place of anxiety and, I mean, that didn't help. And so I wrote them and then they also said, she also said that she was going to contact him the next day and he had told her in the conversation that, he gives permission for me to represent him. Good. Um, so I sent them an email reminding them of that. And um, I also said that I hope they not contacted him to um, to no longer go ahead with the complaint because it's me that's made the complaint. I also explained that he will take the easy route and say whatever they need to, what he thinks they want to hear because... Um, he doesn't like engaging in conversation, especially with people he doesn't know. And you, okay, for- just, just, okay, rather than, because we'll get bogged down in who said and she said and he said, and it just gets confused. What, what are you looking for from looking, the HSE? I'm looking for them to, um, for a referral letter for him to get the help that he needs. To get the help from NUA, and NUA is is a healthcare well, that provides yes. residential supported living, day and community outreach uh, services uh, to people. Just so it's perfect, it's perfect for what your son needs. And but for they, rehab, or for rehab care, but they're refusing to to, um, to give the referral letter. They're refusing to fund him, um, and you know they've been saying that um, it doesn't cover his needs. But, you know, after obviously speaking to Rehab Care and to Nua, they deal with people exactly like my son. Um, and it's just, it's just constantly going around in circles. Um, now, someone, a listener is suggesting, could you get power of attorney over your son and that would leave you then as the person responsible to make decisions on behalf of your son? And have you thought about that or looked into that? I haven't that? actually thought about it because I thought that him giving um, me permission to speak on his behalf was enough. Um, obviously, I'm going to go down every route I can and if that's what I need to do, I will be doing that. And I actually have con- contacted a lawyer um, um, and and that's the route I will go down yeah, if, yeah. if if that's what I need to And do. In, in the meantime, your son is... How did he get on during lockdown, for example? How did that go? Terrible, terrible. Um, he became far more isolated. Um, he's put on loads of weight. He, um, he, his mental health really, really deteriorated. The support that he had been getting from someone seeing him once a week, that ended, so... Um, he became much more isolated, and um, um, it's 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 obvious to people who know him that it really took a knock. Um, and so his needs are even greater now than than it was before lockdown. And where is he currently living? He was living in we're in West Cork, and he's now in um, emergency accommodation. And. Up to lockdown, was he living independently? Um, yes and no. He's He's been needing help for quite some time. Um, 
and even though he's been living independently he has he he hasn't been able to you know like day to day things um you know he's he's constantly anxious he's constantly in overwhelm um and and so he's he he really does need the one to one support um which he hasn't been getting and and because I'm his mother I you know I'm I'm very close to him but I can't do it for him I know, um, I know. And living with you is not an option. It's not an option because um, with what he has, um, he can he can go into panic attacks, which you actually can't see because of what he has. And then when, when that happens, he can become quite aggressive. He smashes things and it's just not safe. Okay, um, okay. And that's why he isn't with me. Yeah, yeah. And he's 25 and, and, and you know, 25, and he needs yeah. to. And the fact that he can live independently as long as he has some kind of support. And this is the support that you're battling. That's what I'm battling for. And I've been constantly battling for it for, you know, since the beginning of last year. Um, it just, you know, and I never seem to be getting anywhere. Um it's terribly frustrating because I know that the help is there, and and obviously I know what his capabilities are, and um, you know it's it's just heartbreaking that he isn't getting the help that he needs. And what's it like for him living in emergency accommodation? Well, he's he's only gone into emergency accommodation recently. The person who runs the place is um, is really lovely and um, very helpful. Um, I explained to him what is going on for my son. Um, but again, you know, he's still not getting the, the one-to-one help and he's very, very isolated. Mm. Has he a medical team behind him? Psychiatrist, psychologist, GP? Um, you know, G- the GPs have sent letters into the, uh, the HSE on, on his behalf and... Um, he was in the mental health um, section at one stage and um, the clinical psychologist saw him, I think it was for a half an hour or an hour, and said he's not engaging and refused to see him again. And obviously, you know, when you work with people with, um, with on the autism spectrum, it takes time. It takes time to build up a relationship. It takes time for them um, to gain trust you know, to, to, to develop trust with the person that they're speaking with. And um, they, weren't prepared, they weren't prepared to put the work in. So it was a complete waste of time and more anxiety for my son to, to be in that situation, you know. And can um, I take you back to something that you said at the start that I think a lot of people were probably taken aback by? He only got the Asperger's diagnosis last year when he was 24. That's right. When he was 24. That's right. That's right. Uh, he was he was he was almost twenty four. Yeah, when he when he got it. And when he a was year going before, a year before, I'd actually taken him to the mental health service to be assessed, and they again misdiagnosed him. And a friend of mine said, um, "You know, I think he might have Asperger's." So I actually had um, a you know a specific Asperger test done for him. And the woman said within five minutes she knew that he had Asperger's. 
And all this time, you know, when he was younger, he could have been receiving the help he he needed. And now that he's an adult, they don't want to deal with me and he can't can't speak up for himself. Yeah, all all the last years where he could have been getting the help. And as as a child, Charlene, did you have a gut feeling that he might have been on the spectrum or had it entered your head? Well, it it didn't actually enter my mind because I, I, um, I didn't know anything about it. And um, but I did have him assessed quite a few times, um, right from when he was um, five years old and right through secondary school as well. And they kept on missing it because part of part of what he's able to do, which is part of the signs of it, is um, um, you know they're able to disguise. They're able to disguise it. You know, mm-hmm. and it's only when you get to know them. Um, a bit more and spend a bit more of time with them that you realise, you know, okay, something is is um, is, is not here. right. Okay, and you are you are you his only support? Is there have you any other family members? Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else helping you? No, it's it's mainly me that's dealing with this. Um, his dad's not around, and um, no, there's this. You know, I have I have some I have a family member who has written a letter to the HSC as well, um, and tried to help him when he was in in still in Dublin. But I mean, at that stage, you know, I'm I'm in Cork, and he was then um, living in hostels, and I mean, obviously that made things worse for him as well. You know. Okay, uh, we're so going to, we'll, on your behalf, we're, we'll get on to the HSE as well to see if anything can be done. As you said, it's the, it's the letter of referral. Nua are willing to take him on. Um, yeah, they are. And, 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 and so is rehab care. Okay. Um, I've really, I've spoken quite a few times with um, the person in rehab care who's been extremely helpful and, um, and said, you know, that, that they can take him on, but they need the funding. They need the the go ahead from the HSE, which is the referral from the HSE, and the, refer- the referral, the referral the brings HSE. the funding. The referral brings the funding. Okay, That's right. All right. Okay, we will uh, get on and, and and see see how we get on with it, uh, Charlene. Uh, we wish you well. We will stay in contact uh, with you. You're a, you're a great mother. Hang in there. And you need to look after yourself as well. I think that's what's important. Yeah, Listen, thank, thank you so much, Patricia. Thank you for that. And thanks uh, for sharing your story with us. God bless. Okay. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, for some families have it really tough at the moment. I can tell you that is uh, Charlene sharing the story of her 25 year old uh, son with a very late diagnosis of Asperger's and what that has subsequently led on to. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And we're going to the Station where I'm joined by Crime Prevention Officer Sergeant James O'Donovan for this week's the File. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, Patricia. You're welcome uh, to the programme. And we start with thefts that have happened. And this is the theft of some valuable Shetland ponies. Yes, uh, Patricia, this happened on the 31st of the 7th um, uh, of July last. A report was made to the Gardaí in Dunmanway. There was two Shetland ponies taken from the Caridangan area of Dunmanway um, between the 30th of July and the date was reported on the 31st. Now, the, there was barbed wire cut to gain access into the field and there was two Shetland ponies taken. The first pony, I suppose, is described as a dark silver dapple called Birchwood and and 
this pony is also microchipped and we have the details of those microchip if anyone comes across a Shetland pony matching that description and it reads the microchip and there's a number and they have doubts about the I suppose the legitimacy of the sale of the pony to contact the Gardaí in Domanway. And the second pony is called Piaf is described as a light chestnut with a blonde mane and tail and that pony is also uh, microchipped. Now look these ponies are considerably valuable. They're up to three thousand euro each, and the the owner would do is would be very grateful with any information that would come to the Gardaí in relation to the whereabouts uh, or details of who, if anyone saw anyone acting suspicious around the Carrigdangan area on the thirty first of July last. Okay, any suspicious vans? Because we've seen uh, and heard about a lot of dogs being stolen of late. And and yes, look, it's I suppose it's all over social media, Patricia, and and, and this is an area that I just want to touch on. People need to be very careful of what they're putting up in social media, number one, and people need to be very careful of what they're reading because we certainly don't want to kind of a, to panic people around the country in relation to, it seems now that there is a, a, an awful lot of dogs being stolen according to social media. I suppose what we were appealing to people is to contact the Gardaí first if they have any suspicious activity going on in there in relation to vans or people because we certainly want to determine whether there there is a legitimate reason to be concerned or are there legitimate reasons are people carrying out legitimate business in the area. I know that there was one social media post there recently about an aircom box or a tele, um, an ESB box being marked and it was put up on social media that, oh, this box has been marked for dogs in the area, please mind it. But it was actually the ESB or aircom carrying out work. Yeah, I'd put, so, the, I'd put the signage up themselves. I'd put signage yeah. up to say yeah, so yes, like, You can't believe everything you read on social media. Exactly, media, and I know guys. people are goodwilled in their nature and the good nature in their what they're doing, but we, we, we need to get clarification on these first and we need to get clarification on suspicious acting um, vehicles going around the area. So, look, we're ask, asking people without putting themselves in danger get the rate number of the vans if possible and ring the Gardaí. And yeah, and everyone them. has phones with cameras on it. It's very easy to take a very quick photograph without yes. anybody noticing what you're doing. Get the registration number yeah, and get back to the Gardaí. Yeah, but danger. Absolutely don't not. onto the road to, to get a, a better number plate or a picture or anything like that. We, we certainly don't want to be asking people to be putting themselves in danger. But get as much information as you can and ring us straight away and we'll follow up on it. Batteries were taken from temporary traffic lights. Yes, this happened in Drum Daniel Bantry on between the 5th and the 6th of August. Look, there's a lot of roadworks going on around with Cork and, and these temporary traffic lights had lights had batteries taken from it overnight. Again, if anyone saw act, anyone acting suspicious or parked up at these traffic lights with people in and out of the cars or vans in Drum Daniel Bantry on the 5th or 6th of August to contact the Gardaí here in, in Bantry. And on the 7th and 8th of August then, in the Corrievran, Lislevan area of Bandon, that would be down there towards Barry Row and Timberley, there were some fencing boards outside of a house taken. They were five metres in length, so there would have been a van or a trailer required. So again, we're appealing to anyone, if they saw anyone acting suspicious, overnight between the 7th and the 8th of August to contact the Gardaí here in Bandon or in League. You've had some incidents of criminal damage, James. Yeah, I suppose this is coming from that there's a number of vehicles, extra vehicles around West Cork um, and there's a number of other types of criminal damage in shops, uh, windows and so forth. But thankfully we've had an awful lot of feedback back to the stations in relation to um, information and um, we have a, a number of suspects in a number of cases and I suppose I just want to thank the public again in relation to, I suppose, criminal damage that does happen, people are ringing in with, to us with uh, information and we are, we are able to follow up on it. And again, I'd like to thank the public for that. And there was a burglary at an unoccupied, this was a new built house. 
Yes, Patricia, we spoke about this already before, previously in the summer. Um, look, new builds, they're difficult because there's no gates up and there's no fencing. Um, there, there be, some buildings mightn't have any doors or windows in at, this, at that early stage of building. On the 31st of um, July and the 1st of August, an unoccupied house in the Ballyhandle area of Crossbury um, it was entered. There was uh, an attempt to remove a generator, but uh, I'd say the generator was too big and it was left at the scene. Now, there was some diesel and some electrical cable taken. We're appealing to people that are doing new builds, and we've spoken to a lot of construction companies who are doing the larger construction sites to ensure that their sites are secured and that if they are keeping their tools and stuff on site, put them in a container, lock the container, and park the large vehicle in front of the container so it's make it more difficult to get into it. And look, if possible, put up CCTV and proper fencing around the site for the duration of the build. And, of course, if there's any anyone seen acting suspicious around building sites, to contact the Gardaí as well. OK, and before we finish up, you just want to remind people a bit of road safety advice. Roads are very busy. I know in West Coast there's a lot of flooded roads today, so there isn't people on them. But uh, when generally speaking, it's much busier. The you know, harvest silage, people out in camper vans. Yes, it's fantastic to see that, the, I suppose, that the, the number of tourists are out there and the roads are busy, especially after the lockdowns that we had. But... There are slower moving vehicles out there, be it camper vans or silage trailers or tractors. I just want, we're asking people not to get frustrated and not to be overtaking dangerously. But in saying that, all road users have to be mindful of other road users, especially for slower moving vehicles, that if they have a chance to pull in, pull in carefully and let traffic bypass them because it can lead to frustration building up in some drivers and it could lead to an overtaking manoeuvre that could lead to a traffic accident. And we just want everyone to enjoy their holidays and be safe on the road. Yeah, and you're right about the frustration. And when people get frustrated, they do stupid things and they overtake. And if you're in on holidays, you're in an area that you don't know the roads too well. So you just need to be very, very careful. And, and this And that frustration can lead to something that happened last weekend as well. We had great weather. West Cork's hotspots were ferociously busy and I know we had to put uh, plans in place in relation to restricting traffic. But we're asking people, in light of all these uh, restrictions and personal responsibility, I suppose, about COVID-19, from which we're going to be living with for a couple of months of going forward, if they're going travelling in West Cork and they are travelling roads that they're unfamiliar with, be careful. Don't be abandoning cars, um, I suppose, and parking stupidly, preventing other traffic from moving. If there's beaches that are busy go to a quieter area and car parks as well. If they're full, you'd have to unfortunately find other parking spots. I just want, We just want people to be mindful of all other road users on the road. And there's lots of little hidden coves. Have a drive around, you'll find, you'll you'll find, find someplace nice. But if you get to a beach and it's crowded and you can't, just move on. Just move on somewhere else. Move on. Don't park the car blatantly because you'll prevent emergency service vehicles from getting through if, if something... Um, I suppose if a tragedy was in, uh, happening, we wouldn't be able to get down there uh, effectively to, to, to perform a rescue or get an ambulance down there for f- or a fire brigade. So, look, a lot of responsibility on people in, in relation to parking and road traffic. And as I mentioned in the introduction, you are the crime prevention uh, officer uh, in the area. You're always available if people want to talk to you. Yes, my my phone number is 0238852261 or I can be emailed there at james.g.odonovan at garda.ie or just ring Band the Garda station and leave a message and I can contact them when I get back to the office. OK, if you have any concerns and would like to speak privately to uh, James. Listen, James, thank you for that. Thanks have a good week. Time. We'll talk again. All the best. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, we'll talk again. That is Crime Prevention Officer at Band and Garda station, uh, Sergeant James O'Donovan. This is Court Today. Court Today.
with Patricia Messenger on C103. Pet questions, please get them into us. 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. couple of other things coming in and queries, etc. And advice, Breed was on to say, Patricia, when I answered the landline phone this morning, it was an automated call from Amazon to say that they're going to take money from my account. It then said, if I wanted to speak to a manager about this, please press one. Didn't listen to the rest of the call. I just hung up obviously a scam. Why? I don't have an, an account with Amazon, says Breed. We often get hoax calls, but we simply don't answer them. Thank you for constantly reminding people to be careful about answering those hoax uh, calls and they are getting more common, Breed. And that's all you need to do. Just hang up on them immediately and don't ever engage because sometimes you'll get a real person at the end of the line. Don't impart any information to them and you're dead right. Don't when If you get a call that comes unsolicited, out of the blue, telling you press one, two, three or four, whatever number, don't press it because usually what happens in those cases is you get through to a premium line and it will cost you a fortune. And you are right, we need to constantly remind people about these hoax calls. And sometimes I think, God, are we doing too many of these hoax calls? Are we talking about it too much? But if we can just save one person, if one person this afternoon is listening to me talking about breed and what happened to breed and if the same thing happens to them today, they'll know to immediately just hang up. That I think that's the Amazon Prime one we spoke about last week as well. They seem to be targeting Amazon because you see these scam artists know that so many people have started shopping online and one of the most popular places to shop online is of course Amazon. So they are they're going on the premise that the majority of people they will contact will have an Amazon account and are fearful that money is going to be taken out of their bank account and therefore they start engaging with the scam artist. So well done Breed for hanging up immediately. And then we hit an email in from somebody who says please don't call out my name which is fine says Patricia. Um, I ha- have had a lot of people telling me that the Listoon Varna week is still going ahead this week. I know the big bands won't be playing but people who love their dancing won't care if it's only one fella with a voice like a crow is singing as long as the music can be danced to. I understand how desperate the dancers are as I'm one of them and I miss the social dancing so much. Don't for God's sake give out my name or I'll be murdered by one of the covert dancers. (laughs) Says this listener that we won't call out this um, lady's name. That's all I would say. Thank you for Thank you. That made me smile. Um, There's so many people missing social dancing. It's probably one of the biggest complaints that we hear about after I would say the pubs or maybe along with the pubs the social dancing people are really really missing that community that exists amongst social dancers and people travel many many miles if they know there's going to be a good dance on a good band and there'll be great dancers there and they literally will dance the night away and they really enjoy it and they've missed it because they all of the social dancing closed down when lockdown happened in the middle of March and there's no sign or mention of any social dancing getting back together again. And I suppose it's to do with the social distancing, even though a number of social dancers have contacted us and say, well, I only dance with my husband or my partner and should we just stick together and we'll keep away from everybody else? Why can't social dancing come back? We had a lot of complaints and a lot of people concerned when bingo, when there was no bingo and the drive in bingo is getting popular and that seems to be 
filling in that gap for many people who missed out on their bingo. But the social dancers, yeah, I, I, I do feel I do feel for you because it's the main hobby for so many people. Anyway, back to the listener saying, is Liston Varna week going ahead? The last we heard from the Liston Varna matchmaking festival, which would have been back on the 20th of July, they made the announcement to cancel it in light of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. They, it, was, it always takes place during the month of September. It's been going for 160 years. It attracts more than 80,000 people. They flock from all over Ireland and overseas to North Clare to enjoy the socialising and, of course, in the hope that they'll find a bit of love at the same time. But they back in the middle of July, well, the 20th of July, the organisers took the decision to cancel the uh, event and they cancelled it particularly because of the government deferring phase four of the easing of restrictions until the 10th of August. Remember when that happened, that's when they took their decision and they, they really regretted it, but their focus was on keeping everybody safe and the onwards and upwards for next year. So that's the official festival is cancelled. Now I can't find out if there's anything else happening across the week on a smaller level, but certainly from the festival's committee's point of view, they're putting all their focus and looking ahead to uh, 2021. So, unless somebody knows something that we don't know, that it's happening in a smaller scale, that you can let us know because if there is, you will. The only problem is if there is, you're going because social dancing, dancers have missed out so much and they do flock from all over Ireland, the worry would be that even if they decided to put something on on a small scale, would too many people turn up and then you'd be into all kinds of problems with limiting the number of of people. Anyway, if anybody can update us on that, if anybody knows or has heard anything about Lister and Varner going ahead even in a much smaller scale this year if you could let us know. 1850-333-103 Mary says, I think those apples that were stolen from those poor nuns they're going to be sold on maybe a country market so people could keep a lookout for for suddenly somebody turning up with a market stall with a lot of cooking apples suspicions could get raised they have to have been stolen for some commercial reason there's no other way there's, there's nobody was stealing those to make a few apple tarts not the amount of apples that were stolen so absolutely yes they were stolen for a commercial reason what the commercial reason is I don't know James says that he's actually planted an apple tree and he has decided after hearing the story about the nuns from the enclosed order in Cove that when his apples grow he's going to hand his apples over to the nuns and they can make them into jars of chutney and then they can sell on the jars of chutney and that's the money that they live on then uh, into the winter months. That's a kind thought on your behalf, uh, James. Uh, well done. Thank you for that. Margaret in McCroom is looking for help. Does anybody know where Margaret in McCroom can buy half moon bolts for beds? A half moon bolt for a bed. Does anybody know where Margaret can buy them? She's in the McCroom area, so ideally... I think any hardware store would have them but obviously I'm assuming Margaret has tried ideally in and around the McCroom area even though if she's desperate she probably will travel so half moon bolts for beds does anybody know where they can be purchased for Margaret in McCroom please we're getting reports already in of power outage in the Ballyfahan area and if the thunder that's expected this afternoon if we get the lightning with that thunder, then I think we can be expecting to see more power outages this afternoon. But at the moment, we are getting reports of power outages in the Ballyfahan area. 
Hi Patricia and John Paul just a query please I applied online for the back to school clothing and footwear allowance I applied in July but I've heard nothing my, it's for my son he's 17 he wears hearing aids and he's so stressed out about going back to school it's actually frightening to watch how stressed he's getting about it so to ease myself it would be great if we could get the back to school clothing and footwear allowance it'll be a bonus as I'd be able to buy my son the runners he so desperately wants and it might just entice him to get back to school thanks for all your help and your advice and that signed a worried man God help you yeah listen your son isn't on his own there are other people as well I mean all you can do is try to allay his fears and tell him the schools are you know putting everything in place to make sure that everything is, is okay just keep talking to him about that and that you know tell him to talk to his teachers and at 17 if there's I don't know if there's a, a class supports if there's a school support system a lot of the schools are really good about offering support to students and I think the schools are going to be putting a bigger emphasis on that because your son won't be on his own in being nervous about going back but let's see if we can do something about your back to school clothing and footwear allowance because I spoke about this last week with regards to people who got the pandemic unemployment payment the PUP payment they were people who wouldn't have automatically have received the back to school allowance and we of course we found out at the end of July I think that they were entitled to apply for it but they needed to apply because people who automatically got every year the back to school clothing and footwear allowance they got a letter by the 6th of July saying yes they were going to get it again and then anyone that didn't was told to apply to the department and then the people on the pandemic payments obviously this is their first year because they were working last year and on previous years and never needed to apply for it so they're all all applying now. Now the last we got was that all automatic payments should be going out by the 17th of July however payments to those making fresh claims will be made a lot later than that. So for the people who were entitled to it, I'm assuming they all got it on the 17th of July, people that were there from previous uh, years. Now, we've put a, a an email into the department to find out what kind of a time delay, how long are people waiting? These are for the new applicants to see when can people expect it. So we await a reply back from the department. But in the meantime, I'm mentioning it now to see if anybody else is in the same situation as this poor lady, this worried ma'am and she just needs to get the money in so she can buy the runners which will help the son to fly through those school gates uh, hopefully. Anybody else apply in July which is when I suppose the bulk of the people were applying so what we need to hear if you applied in July have you already received the back to school clothing and footwear allowance or how many other people are in the same position that are waiting for it because I always get nervous when we get texts and calls in like that in case because every now and again it can happen a particular application can get lost it can fall between the cracks or something happens and a person has to reapply and of course the person themselves not aware that their actual application for whatever reason didn't go in or it didn't go in correctly. I know at the start of the COVID-19 payments when in fairness to the public servants who work at the Department of Social Protection they just worked flat out to get people their money out as quickly as possible and they got to the bulk of people got their 350 COVID payments very, very quickly. But I remember we were dealing with people and there was problems and we were on to the department and then they discovered, you know, they, were, they had the incorrect information down 
or people who had sent on their IBAN to have the money paid complete directly into their accounts. There, there was a digit wrong in it and there was, you know, there was all kinds of problems like that as well and that also can, can happen. But when there's a massive big backlog that gets pushed back and of course people don't know why their payment hasn't been received. So that's why I always worry when I hear somebody who applied now well over a month ago and is still waiting. So if you applied in July for the back to school allowance, have you received it yet or if not, if you're waiting, either which way, can you let us know please just so that we can get a general feel or is, is it just a very excessive amount of time that people are waiting uh, and hang in there to that mum things will get better and your son will be fine and once, once he gets back in I think it's just the nervousness about thinking of going back in but once he's in there once he's in there uh, my gut instinct tells me that you know he will he will be fine OK, also coming in to us, um, this is on the flooding that's going on in West Cork today. Uh, Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, luckily we don't have the severe flooding in this area down in Castletown Bear. However, with the least downpour nowadays, the roads become the rivers as there are no longer water tables available to take the water. The cutting of the hedgerows or the sides of the fence is the farmer's responsibility and then the water tables on the road, they're the responsibility of the county councils. But when the briars are cut, they go straight into the water tables and hence the gullies and the gullets then become blocked. The water tables inside the road fence is the farmer's responsibility to be kept clean and free in order to prevent water flowing out the gaps or the gates onto the road. There's a massive responsibility on the farmer, both on and off the road. How right you are, Michael. Thank you for that. And Heidi says, Patricia, again, it's us, the rural people, that have to put up with not having our hedge rows cut back. It seems to get worse with every passing year. Uh, yes, and people always look to blame global warming, but they can't blame that for not getting the hedges cut. I've said it to you before by text on the programme, when road signs are blocked and overgrown and can't be seen, it's an accident waiting to happen. As with the drains along the roads, they get blocked by fallen leaves, debris, etc. The rain then is nowhere to go except what? Out onto the roads and it floods the road. Come on, councils, a little bit of common sense is what is needed here. 1850-333-103 and I'm back to school, going back to school and I'm assuming this is a teacher or somebody in a school setting. Patricia, in regards to schools, we were promised training by the department and help with getting the schools ready for return to school safely. Well, let me tell you, all of the advice and the training, it's all on paper, but there's no practical help. No signage provided by the department. Each school should be allotted signage. After all, the department know exactly how many children are in every school all over the country. People are under enough pressure. Surely the department could get their inspectors to call to so many schools and assist with risk assessment and such. There seems to be no mention of this group of department employees. Surely it's within their remit, the inspectors, to give advice. There's a lot of pressure on school principals and boards of management at the moment who really are working flat out to ensure that schools do reopen in a couple of weeks' time. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
Lismire Parish, they're collecting for Cork Penny dinners. Now, it'll be next Sunday. They are accepting donations of home baking, non-perishable food items, and they're also accepting cash. You're please asked to support. And Charleville GAA, they're holding a drive-in bingo next Sunday. It'll be at their GAA grounds. That's on Baker's Road, and it's got a four in the afternoon start. And Tim League drive-in bingo, that's in the community sports field. That's also, that's on Sunday week, the 23rd, three o'clock in the afternoon. Gates opening at two. You're please asked to support and they are all there and the books of tickets are on sale at, at 10 uh, euro. And Castletown Bear Development Association, their driving bingo is this Friday night, tomorrow night on the pier. Starts at half past eight. They're advising to arrive early. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And get your pet questions in, please, because Jane is going to be joining us in a couple of minutes. If you have a pet question, uh, get that in. And here's a text that made me smile. Hi, Patricia. My grandson is nine years old and he listens to you every day. He says you're his role model. Bless his little heart. At nine. His name is Dara. And I know he would be over the moon if you said hello to him. Hello, Dara. Don't have a surname on you. Don't know where you're living. Don't know granny or granddad whoever sent it in. Um, didn't say where you're living but can I just say hello to Dara and it is good to have you along and you'll be going back to school soon and you won't be able to listen to me and that's fine but I hope you are enjoying your uh, summer and thank you to Granny or Grandad who sent in that text it moved me smile. Uh, Colette is on to us saying Patricia enjoying the show as always thank you for that. Could you find out please the uh, €100 Euro for a GAA draw. This is like sort of the lotto type draw, I'm assuming, from Colette's text. I got a text in March saying the draw had been suspended and wouldn't be going ahead because of COVID-19. Used to get a text, and I'm assuming this was weekly, with the list of winners, but obviously none since. And they would say the draw for, they would give the results, oh, it's a monthly draw, they would give the draw every month, but we haven't did anything since it was suspended due to COVID-19. Now, yeah, I can understand it not going ahead due to COVID-19 because obviously large groups of people would turn up for the draw. But what I want to know is what happens to the membership that's been paid for this year? And could it not go ahead? Could you not have somebody with a mask in a room, somebody witnessing social distancing, somebody pulling out the ticket, somebody witnessing that everything's been done above board. You could do it online. You certainly could stream it online. You could do it on Facebook Live, uh, for example. Uh, Colette said, I rang today, but I got no answer. But I'm wondering, and it can't just be one GAA club. I'm assuming all GAA clubs have all GAA clubs suspended their fundraising draws. What I would assume is going to happen, Colette, is that you're they've frozen the money for the draws and that as soon as they are back operating the draws again that the raffle the lottery part of it kicks back in again and they just continue on for so many months into next year that would be my gut instinct is what they are going to do but your your, your GAA club won't be the only one there's got to be other ones does anybody know has anybody an update on what is happening with any of those GAA membership draws where you pay in a set, set amount of money I mean I'm part of a it isn't a GAA one now but I paid a, a 100 euro 
for one of those draws that takes place. I think it was a weekly one and that got suspended as well. But I hadn't even thought about it now until, until you mentioned it. But I just assume as soon as the COVID restrictions are gone, they'll pick back up and you still, still get the same amount of draws. I suppose that's what people will be most concerned about. But if anybody's involved with GAA and involved with doing any of those draws, can you just let us know what you are actually doing with it and what's happening just for the members' uh, point of view? Jim says we're getting scam calls on both our mobiles and our landlines. It can be so wearisome. Oh, I, I'm with you on that, Jim. Very, very annoying. Connie in Mallow says, while the official, oh, this is Lister and Varna, while the official Lister and Varna festival is off, I know many people who still have hotels booked from last year in the area and are still going to spend their September, their time in Liston Varner during the month, even though nothing is on. I know many others are doing the same thing. So if everyone is going, there is going to be an influx of people into the area. But Connie Amala says he doesn't know anyone who's going to be performing that week. Yeah, and that's our gut instinct as well. The actual official festival is off and we certainly haven't heard of any anything else happening. Kathleen in Mitchestown says, I was, I'm in a Facebook group with people who always go to Liston Varner. However, in this group, people are saying that they still will travel to Liston Varna as it would not be the same if they did not go. So while nothing officially is happening, there's still going to be a buzz and a bit of atmosphere as people are travelling. Now that will be I'll be very interested to hear what it's going to be like in Lister Varna if you don't have all of the events. I suppose you can still have the social aspect of it and people sitting around social distancing of course, but people sitting around and still chatting with each other. Then you'll have people meeting up because the same people will go year after year after year and it strikes me that it's an event where you will meet people from all over the country who you'll only see for that one week or that one weekend of the year. So that side of it can still go ahead. But the pubs, well, will the pubs be open or will they uh, not? Because I was listening to Leo Varadkar talking yesterday And he certainly was raising the prospect that pubs may not open for the rest of this year. He was insisting that the reopening of schools was the national priority. And he said the planned August 31st reopening of pubs that don't serve food, which has already been postponed from August the 10th, he says it may not happen. Now, he did say that there's going to be a cabinet meeting on the 28th of August. August, which again, if they do decide that the pubs open, it's not going to be giving them much time. But he said he is striking a pessimistic note of the chances of pubs welcoming customers again. He said it could be a matter of saying to the pubs that you'll have to stay closed or wait longer before you can reopen. He is saying that they may have to ask the publicans to make a sacrifice for the rest of the country. He did then say that he would like to have a package of financial supports approved by the government for that uh, sector over and above what already has been provided by businesses by way of grants and subsidies and support. But certainly listening to Leo Varadkar yesterday, not raising much chances of pubs reopening on the 31st of August, which would mean that the pubs in Listoon Varna would be closed for the month of September. Now, there'll be restaurants and gastro bars. I'm assuming, I don't know how many of them they have, but I take it if you get a large number of people going there, people will want to socialise and maybe have a few drinks. So, so it will be a very different, different week 
in Lister and Varna this year for sure. 1850-333-103. Let's take a break and we're back having your pet questions answered by Jane Pickett after these. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And the little boy that I was talking about that has become a fan of the programme due to lockdown. Uh, Dara, it's Dara O'Connell from Rowles in Whelan. Just wanted to give him his full title and where he's from because good afternoon to Dara O'Connell. Rowles in Whelan and it's great to have you along. Okay, Jane Pickett is our resident vet from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group and Jane joins me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, Tess wants us to start by putting out a warning to people to keep their pets locked in this afternoon. You know, we've got this yellow thunder warning from three o'clock here in Cork for the rest of the evening. And she's just making the point we don't want to be hearing uh, tomorrow about a load of animals and dogs in particular going missing. That's a good piece of advice, isn't it? Mm, absolutely, 100%. I think with any kind of rumbles or thunder, it always has the potential to really frighten our pets, dogs and cats. So I think my best advice would be regardless of whether you know your dog gets a little bit bothered or a lot bothered by the weather, play it safe, keep them inside and secure this evening. Now, my own dog gets very, very worried and I can see her already beginning to kind of act a little bit unusually. I think she can tell that there's something up with the weather and she gets very, very bothered by thunder and lightning and, and uh, severe weather warnings. But um, the main thing I would say is just try and pretend everything's normal if there is any thunder or lightning and just put some like ambient music on in the background to just kind of dull the sounds a little bit. Um, and if they want to just kind of go away and hide and find their own little quiet space in the house, let them at it. Just make sure they're safe, secure inside and it'll all blow over. Yeah, because when a dog or indeed a cat, when bolts, when they get the fright from thunder, they can go for miles because, of course, they're running and then they'll hear another bang and they keep running. Exactly. And all of a sudden they'll get to a point where they, they can't find a way home. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the other thing is, I suppose, making sure your pets are secure. But if by chance they did get out, making sure they're microchipped so that if, God forbid, they do go missing or did run off, or escaped that if they presented to either a vet or a guardie, they'd be able to be scanned and reunited with you very, very quickly. So that's a good thing, kind of looking forward to the measure we can all take to keep them safe. Yeah, and we've unfortunately seen with the number of dogs being stolen, that microchipping Mm -hmm. is coming in and and we are getting dogs reunited. Not all of them, but some of them are. Mm -hmm. And then Jim was back on to us. Remember Jim was on to us, I think it was two weeks ago, about the fox who yes. came with the cubs. He says, I've good news. Can you let Jane know okay. about my fox? She's running around on all four legs again. Uh, she was missing for three or four day- days and I was fearing the worst. But she returned a few days ago, licking her paw. But she's now walking perfectly on all four. And she's since calling for food along with her two little cubs who look healthy and happy. And they have lovely bushy tails and coat Aww. of hair. So they've all done Aww. well. That's fabulous to hear. That's really nice. My heart always goes out to wildlife. As best I think it's, we love dealing with all animals, but a wildlife in particular is really fascinating. Sometimes we get a very up close and personal view of them um, when we're kind of attending to their medical needs if that does arise. But I think having them kind of passing through the garden and, and knowing that that animal is well again and on full, all four legs with the young is, is really, really great. That's fabulous. So it was obviously just a strain, which you'd said it might have been, and just a little bit yeah. of rest and it was going to be okay. So, so well done. Thank you for that, uh, Jim. Uh, John, Butterfront, could you please ask Jane the Vet on your programme today? Our dog had an operation two weeks ago and the wound is still oozing. Now, it's just a little bit. Is that normal or what can we do? She still has her stitches in. It was 15 days ago now. Mm, 
I think it really depends on what the operation was and your own vet who did the operation will be the best person to tell you if that's an expected, let's say, effect afterwards from the operation that your pet had. Um, generally, oozing with most routine operations, for example, spays and neuters, is not normal. So I'd advise 15 days out. At this stage, I'd say definitely speak to your vet. Give them a call. Let them know what the story is. Depending on the nature of the operation they've done, as I say, they'll know best what will be expected. Um, they may need to see you in, have that pet checked over and see if there's any kind of uh, action that needs to be taken to make sure everything's okay. But have a chat to your own vet. They'll know the details of what's happened and they'll be able to guide you best. Those, sti- those stitches will be due out soon, wouldn't they? It depends. It really, really depends. It depends on what the operation is and it also depends on the type of stitches that are used so it's very kind of specific to, to each practitioner themselves what they may have used. And some stitches can come out very quickly. Some, depending on the operation, might need to stay in for a little bit longer. Some dissolve of their own accord so it, it's all, it's, it's quite it's a variable one. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. This is one that will break your heart. Um, hi Trish and Jane. Um, what can I do for my dog who is heartbroken missing his pal who had to be put down he keeps whining I can't get him to eat he normally loves me milk and he won't drink that either any advice please it looks like he's suffering from a broken heart isn't that Mm. just and that happens oh absolutely 100% I really think very similar to humans they definitely do experience a grieving process now it's very difficult to ask them because I can't tell us but anecdotally, we see it all the time. And it's really, really tough for yourself because you're obviously missing the pet that has to be put to sleep. It's really tough for them too because they might not quite clock what's happened or maybe they have, but either way, they, they notice that absence in their life of their old friends. I think the main thing I would say is it's going to take time. I think grief in any sense will take a little bit of time to, to soften. Um, what I normally recommend to owners is distraction. Um, lots of walks lots of engaging in different activities like play if you can get them to engage I wouldn't say I wouldn't push it if they don't feel up to it they don't feel up to it but I think certainly getting out in the fresh air sunlight when it's safe and not stormy is definitely something that seems to help and I think a lot of the time making sure that they can kind of bond and spend time with you as the owner is really helpful because you want them to feel secure in that not everything is changing one thing has changed but they still have you so I think just try and really Keep to a routine as best you can. No major surprises. A bit more activity outside than usual. And hopefully everything will just settle down in time. But it, it's really tough for everyone involved. And does it, does it, it, does it normally? Do, do, do they normally just get over it? In time, yes. I think it's like everything. It's an adjustment period. Um, sometimes I say if a new pet comes into the household, that sometimes helps. And some people are very quick to kind of jump to, to getting a new pet yeah. to, to give them company. Sometimes that helps, but to be totally honest, it's the last thing I'd rush into because for the, the pets themselves, they need time to grieve before any new pet is introduced and yourself as well. Yeah. Um, I think generally it will it will settle in time and they will adjust to their new normal, but certainly it, it'll take a little while. Time is a great healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne says, uh, hi, question for, for Jane, please. My 12-year-old boxer has ticks. We tried pulling them out with a tweezers. Uh, unsure if we got them out or not, but now she's not eating much. She's gone off her food. Could it be from the ticks? She had six or seven of them. Mm. I think the first thing I'd say with the ticks is well done for recognising them. 
Um, removing them can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes. We can remove them with a, a twisting motion with the tweezers. But the thing to be really careful with is that none of their little legs get trapped in the skin because sometimes they can cause quite nasty little infections if they're left behind. And that could potentially be what's happened here or maybe not. I suppose what I would say is it could be the ticks, the ticks that are causing your little pet to not feel so well in themselves um, or it could be that there are more there. Um, certainly like trick tick-borne disease, so let's say infectious diseases that are transmitted by ticks are becoming more common in this country. However, it's not the not the norm. What I'd say is if you're concerned about your pet and it does sound like there is a change in behaviour, I'd definitely present to your vet for a full physical exam. But the one thing I'd say long-term is the best thing to do would be to have a, a preventative treatment for ticks. So there's some, let's say, spot-ons and tablets available on the market from your vet or your pharmacist that they will prevent against ticks. Now, a lot of the time, it will be a case that the tick has to very briefly attach to drink a teeny bit of blood before it will be able to, to take in the preventative treatment and die and fall off stone accord. But generally, that will happen quickly enough that it will be before any, let's say, infectious disease will be transmitted. So I think have a chat to your vet about long-term prevention of ticks. But in the interim, while your pet is feeling a little bit unwell, definitely flag that with your vet and get them checked out. Make sure there's nothing that needs to be dealt with. Are they common all year round or are they more prevalent at sometimes, you know, the summertime or wintertime? When are they most most common ticks? Mm, I think generally kind of summer altered time, but to okay. be honest, we're seeing them all the time around. Are I think mm. where, I, <laughs> where I live and where we practice it is, is out in rural Ireland and I think it's a hot spot for them. All of the beautiful places that we are with beautiful countryside are places that ticks really enjoy living. Anywhere with long grass, woodland are absolute hotspots. So more than the time of year, I'd say the place is really important. Yeah, it's all, um, all the places we love to walk our dogs. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, hi, uh, Patricia. Could you ask Jane, what could be used on a horse for sweet itch? Thanking you. Mm. Well, what I'd say is sometimes it can be associated with, let's say, an overreaction to, let's say, a, a fly bite or something in the environment. But what I would say is I'm going to put my hands up and say that I don't do a lot of horse work myself. Okay. So as regard the modern treatments for sweet itch and what would be the best course action, I can get back to you on that okay. one. But okay. I think yeah, the well, best thing to do is, yeah. is speak to kind of your local equine vet and have a chat with them. They, they might be able to examine the horse, guide you as to the kind of most up-to-date information. But I suppose my, my perspective is we can't be good at everything. That's and true. That's true. And, and you, you put your hands up instead of bluffing your way out of it. So yeah. I appreciate that. My golden retriever is, uh, which is more in your line, is 14 months old, says this listener. How do I get her to walk with me? As she's constantly stopping and sniffing and stopping and sniffing and just curious about everything that's going on around her. It can be really frustrating when you really just want to go for a good old walk and they're having a sniff of everything. Um, I would say the first thing is, if they've always done this, then that's that's quite normal for them and that's fine. But if you're noticing that they're lagging behind and getting tired on walks, that's something that would need to be flagged with your vet. For me, it sounds like your dog is just having a good old sniff of everything and a good old look around. And that can actually be incredibly normal behaviour. So... They absolutely interact with the world around them through touch and smell predominantly. And when they're out and about, they sniff everything. And they can sniff things that might have been there two days ago. Like their senses are absolutely fantastic. They can pick up the tiniest thing. So for them, it's like reading a book going outside. They can see everything that's happened through smell and sight and, and the wafts of stuff that are coming off the grasses around them. 
that might have happened for the last few days. So it's incredibly interesting for them and for their mental health. Sniffing is an, a fantastic thing for them to engage in. So I would say it might be a little bit frustrating kind of stopping and starting on the walks a lot as long as it's because your dog is interested in their surroundings and not getting tired, as it were, then that's the normal behaviour to engage in. I'd let them have a good sniff, get it out of their system, and then go go for a good old walk to get the exercise. And the dog is 14 months, so that's still a young dog, isn't it? Exactly, it? Yeah. yeah. That's a quite a young dog, and it's very normal. They're kind of just learning about everything around them, and they'll go through lots of phases. You might find that the sniffing will probably always be there as a behaviour because it's super normal, but you might find that as, as they develop through various stages, they might go through a, an intense sniffing patch and then for a few months they might not be as interested and then the interest might increase again. Okay. So I think they're, they're constantly learning. Stick with it, stick with it. And Chris exactly. says, could you please ask Jane, at what age can you get a female cat neutered? Okay, so it really depends on your local vet's preference. Um, cats, particular females, can be kind of, let's say, physically able to bear kittens at an incredibly young age sometimes even from four or five months of age. So most vets would spay cats anywhere from between four to six months of age and potentially even a little bit later. It's better to get it done sometimes, better late than never, as it were. Um, But I think the best thing to do is because there is a certain amount of, let's say, personal preference um, between vets is have a chat to your local vet where the procedure will be done, see what their preference is. They may need to see them in beforehand to check that they're an adequate weight because there is quite a lot of variability between kittens of different ages, just depending on their their background, their stature, um, and their start in life. So have a chat to your vet, potentially go in for a little weigh-in before the surgery, uh, and they'll be able to guide you best, but, but quite young. But the right thing to do, Chris, so, so well done. 100%. Okay, listen, Jane, thank you for that. Have a good week, and mind yourself in the thunder this afternoon. Keep <laughs> safe. Too, thank Keep you. safe. Thank you. That is uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. On Listoon Varna, when we mentioned that a lot of people have bookings and they're still going to go ahead, a listener says, was listening to me talk about that, says, Patricia, Listoon Varna, get real. If people gather in Listoon Varna, are they not just giving the two figure fingers to the COVID advisory? We don't have to go beyond the local village to see it happened. happen. The mind boggles that people could consider heading to a place like Listoon Varna. And Donald says, yellow t- thunder warning for this afternoon and tonight. Keep your dogs indoors. We were talking to, to Jane about that as well. Keep your dogs locked up and stay safe and stay indoors because that yellow thunder warning for Cork kicks in at three o'clock this afternoon and it is through until midnight tonight. It's going to be a stormy one for sure, folks. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul and Sadie for taking your calls. I'm Patricia Messenger. Look after yourself and more than ever, stay safe. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 